All right, guys, we are back with the guest we were teasing about, one of my all-time favorite people in the world. And he's not one of the latest cup winners that you guys hear frequently on the show, but this is, we are going to St. Louis. So we had to get the hometown kid himself. Mr. Kenny Wallace, thank you for joining Sag and Panic. Well, I'm excited to be on your show. Congratulations on that baby. I see all the pictures. I'm so excited for you, Corey. Man, it's a, and we were talking before we jumped on here just about how like a different chapter of life. Uh, and people hear about my chapters of life each and every week. I broke down the whole fire drill on the way to the hospital, del de delivering baby number two. But this isn't about me. I wanted to catch up on what chapter of life Kenny Wallace is in. Well, I am, I'm definitely not in my last chapter. Uh, my mom, Judy, she says, uh, she calls me Ken. She goes, Ken, hon, you keep reinventing yourself. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, mom, I don't mean to. It just happens. So, uh, you know, uh, right now, I'm 58 years old. I live in St. Louis. I wanted to come back home, Corey, just because it made me feel comfortable. Uh, we always planned on coming back to St. Louis. And uh, I love the baseball Cardinals. I love our hockey team. I love our city, but I really like racing that dirt car of mine and it keeps me busy. Uh, I love going up to the shop every morning, like, like you and I do. We drink our coffee every morning, go up to the race shop. You know, my wife, she's building these wreaths, you know, for everybody's doors. She builds thousands of them. So yeah, we, we got it going on. We're, we're happy in life. And, um, that's a good question. What chapter are you in? I, I, I'm coming to the end of my racing. I'm getting tired. This shoulder here has got two torn tendons, like 80%. So uh, I'm, I'm, feeling the, I'm feeling the years of all this racing. But, uh, but we're racing and we're raising grandbabies and we're having a good life. Do you miss living down in Charlotte, doing the NASCAR stuff, whether it was with speed or on the broadcast or even driving. What is it about just the NASCAR stuff that you don't necessarily miss versus the stuff you think about often? Well, I miss you and I miss your dad and I miss my friends, but inevitably one reason I'm happy I came home is because, and I don't know if you can relate with this or not, but, um, for example, when I lived in Concord, North Carolina, if I run 15th in the cup race, and let's say I went to McAllister's Deli or Texas Roadhouse right there on Bruton Smith Boulevard, because that was right where we lived, or, or nowadays, you know, right there in Afton Village, everybody would always go, um, what happened? I'm like, what do you mean? And they said, yeah, what happened? I said, uh, when? And they're like, you, you run 15th in the cup race. I'm like, yeah. They say, yeah, what happened? It, it was like that everywhere you go. You, you, I got judged on how I ran in that damn cup car, and I had had it up to here. I got tired of that environment, that constant competition environment. I couldn't go eat without people wanting to, you know, bring that how did you finish on Sunday into the conversation. So I miss you. I, I miss all my friends. But inevitably, I had to get out of that environment. It was very toxic for me. Now, now everybody's like, hey, Herm, how you doing? You know, they're just my, my buddies, my friends, my childhood friends. And, uh, but yeah, 
So I, I don't want to breeze over that because that's what we talk about here often on the show because I'm in that same phase of my career that you just mentioned, right? A 15th day for, for myself in Spire Motorsports is almost like a win. But you go to McAllister's and they think you're the 14th place loser. You know, like that's really, truly what you're measured up against because you see it each and every day. What are some things you used to do, and you might still do them now, just to kind of keep yourself competitive, maybe even optimistic going to the racetrack in the middle of that Cup Series career uh, when when you get ground down and beat down into the dirt each and every week? Well, I'll tell you what, there is a huge – Alan Quickie created it before he went to the Cup Series. He, he was running an ASA race years ago uh, before Alan Quickie became a NASCAR Cup champion. It was, um, it was called PMA. Actually, uh, it was his crew chief at the time, Paul Anders, held this chalkboard up. PMA, positive mental attitude. And, and I would trick myself into going, man, I'm so excited to go to the NASCAR track. You know, and your, and your stomach was just in a knot. You know, you had to train yourself, you know, that, you know, I'm going to run good here at Dover this week. You know, it's not my best track. Uh, this is going to be the week. You know, every week was always a do-over for me. And, you know, those are the things that I told myself. Positive mental attitude. This is going to be the week we're going to get it. You know, I'm going to work on my driving. Uh, you know, th then that, that whole workout phase came along. Re remember, I'm old enough that, you know, we just drank water and we looked fine. But, but then... Your group came along, and if you weren't working out, that meant the car wasn't going to run good. You know, so, you know, I just tried to be the best I could be. But most of my technique to survive in the Cup Series was right here. You know, just stay as positive I could, get up out of that damn motorhome Friday mornings, and felt like, it felt like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. It felt like, oh, we, oh. <laughs> Into that damn garage area. I'm going to get it. First practice session happened. You run 20th, 25th on the board. Like, here yeah. we go again. <laughs> I've seen, yeah, I've seen this movie before. Oh, gosh, that that's funny. I'm so, I'm so glad you jumped on the show, my friend. Man, I had a good question lined up for you. Oh, so you see, like, you, people don't, it's, it's funny and, and, as outgoing you are on social media, I don't think people give you the credit for the racing IQ that you have. I think you look at racing, you understand racing on a very high level. When you watch the progression of the, maybe call it what you want, lack of respect for when it comes to winning, maybe the go for broke mentality that's kind of infiltrated the Cup Series more so than when you when when you guys were were doing it in that late '80s, early 2000s range. What does the Cup Series look like to you over the last couple of years? Well, the landscape has definitely changed. I grew up in an environment. Uh, so I think to understand every, every 10 years, it's like, why does that group drive like that? So my group, which was Mark Martin, Rusty Wallace, but even before that was the great Dick Trickle. We, we all learned somewhere. So Dick Trickle, he said, you know, my boy, he would always call me my boy. He said, my boy, we raced six out of seven nights up here in Wisconsin. And here's what was key. He said, we don't have time to be wrecking each other because we have to race, race each other the, ne the next night. You know, and those names were, you know, 
Alan Kowicki, you know, Marv Marzovka, Tom Refner, you know, Richie Bickle, uh, all these legendary names. So I thought, yeah, because, Court, if I wreck you, you know, here in St. Louis, then I got to face you the very next week. And I don't want to have to deal with that because we got to race each other. And it seems to me that this era, you know, they definitely just bring their own friends to the racetrack. And in my day, you know, you had driver's introduction. You're going to face that driver whether you like it or not. You know, <laughs> it, we're, we're all corralled for driver's introduction, you know. And when you know it, back in the day when we had a lot of pageantry, you, you'd accidentally get in that same pickup truck, Kenny Wallace and Corey LaJoy, and we just got done wrecking each other last week. <laughs> well, and, and I say it all the time, usually 90% of the time when you wreck with somebody, it's because you race around that guy every week. And which also, which which case, you're going to probably qualify next to him the following week because you just got done wrecking him for a position the previous week. So it is funny how that always, uh, that always works out. But I don't want to bury the lead here. We're headed into your home track, Kenny. Is there anything... This is my first time I've been there since I've been eight years old with my dad in the late 90s when they were racing the bush cars. Yeah. Uh, what should I expect coming into town this week? Yeah, I got a lot of laps around there. I can help you right away. Well, uh, first of all, both corners are completely different. This is going to sound odd, but hang with me here. It's not Darlington, but it's shaped like Darlington. With uh, So you go down the front straightaway, turns one and two. So you're going to go from fifth. You're probably going to go fifth, fourth, third, and it's a real tight radius. With a little bit of banking, you're going to make that tight, tight corner. Then you're going to, you know, you're going to be third, fourth, fifth, down that long back straightaway. And then you're going to get to three and four, and you're going to go, oh, I'm at Phoenix somewhat. Turns three and four is flat and real long. You, you know, almost like a turn three and four at Milwaukee. Uh, but I forget how young you are. You probably never raced at some of these tracks. I never. <laughs> <laughs> but how about how about Loudon? Is it comparable to Loudon? Uh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, somewhat turns three and four, but even wider. So okay. when you go into turn three here at Worldwide Technology Raceway, you're going to go into turn three, and you're going to go, my lord, I'm still turning. It's just a real long, gradual corner. You, you just keep going around a corner. And then the key is to, obviously, like any racetrack, you really have to exit, you know, really good. And, uh, you know, I, I'm sure with this new next-gen car, y'all are going to go into three, and you're going to want to put that left front. It's a, It has a really nice curb where it's kind of one of those radius curbs. You know, you can put your left front on it a little bit all the way around uh, and then down, you know, come off a of turn four, and you're going to use every every inch up. But, uh, but just expect – Turns one and two, you're going to go flying down in there. You're going to use all the brakes you got. And then you're going to want to start trail braking. You want to start coming off that brake, try to roll that corner, you know, and, and get up off that corner. You're going to make a lot of speed up off of turn two. And then uh, you're going to get about halfway down that back straightaway and you go, man, we're still racing, you know. And uh, somewhere, you know, you get about three quarters down that back straightaway, you're going to have to. So who's on you, who you're racing. And you can get in there too wide, no problem. But, you, you know, it's the same old story. That guy on the inside, you be careful who you're holding down. Oh, yeah. Because they'll, they'll, they'll get into you accidentally, you know. 
So expect I, both corners totally different, Corey. Lo- love that. I feel like I'm about th- – those are the speed secrets. Hopefully none of my competitors are listening to the show this week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate the tips there, Kenny. Before I let you go, I got two questions I've been asking uh, all of my guests, most of which are current drivers and or previous drivers. So I'm glad I get the opportunity to ask these questions. Number one, do you or have you had any like racing related dreams? Like you wake up in a cold sweat uh, in the middle of the night thinking you're late for practice or something like that. It is the worst dream. I haven't had it probably in the last five years, but I'm not exaggerating. I would have this dream all the time that I can't get my seatbelts buckled. And they're they're racing. And I I, I think it's because in NASCAR, you know, when we raced, when, when we were racing normally, you know, I'm studying my own dreams. I'm like, why do I keep having this dream? Yeah. I think in NASCAR, you know, we are so regimented practice at 12.05. Why not 12 o'clock? You know, why has it got to be 12.06? <laughs> NASCAR just beats you down with all this. Now, I mean this in a good way. Yeah. Everything's so regimented, and it just infilt, eats your brain alive and ends up going into our dream. <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard everything from not being able to get your belts on to some I think Joey said that he has a dream he can't get out of the lounge like the lounge is locked and the, <laughs> the, 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 in there. Uh, and the stick all right so I got another one so I'm gonna ask you two more because I'm just enjoying this so much number two what's the most embarrassed you've ever been at the racetrack oh I can tell it's funny that I thought about this one, one right away um so it was around 1991 we're at South Boston and we made a pit stop you know, those were 200-lap races. You made one pit stop. But uh, somehow, I guess, lug nut tore off a brake line or something. I couldn't stop. And I was out of brakes. And that was in that uh, Cox Treaty Lumber, number 36 car. And it was a good car. Birdie was my crew chief. And I'm trying to slow the car down as I enter the pits. And I, 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 feel, like I'm, <laughs> I feel like I'm going slow enough. And I can't get this thing to stop, but I'm still moving. And I saw a stack of tires. You know, there's no pit, at that time, no pit wall. And I just took my, at that time, Bush Grand National car and ran it square into a, a stack of tires to stop myself. I saw everybody's face, their eyes were like this, everybody scattered. And I hit, you know, there's four tires stacked. One, two, three, four, and the tires just went, man, barely missed my wife. I mean, it was horrible. <laughs> and I, I'm embarrassed right now. <laughs> Man, that's good stuff. All right, last question. And you've driven all sorts of cars, all the way from cup cars down. You're even racing a dirt modified here tonight. If you had to pick one type of car and one racetrack to race at the rest of your life, what do you go with? Oh, wow. Uh, that's a really good one. Um, well, you know, it's kind of, now it, it depends if I want stress or not, but uh, I really like the car I'm driving right now. But I'll tell you what, I've, I've raced some street stocks. So you're telling me I got to race the rest of my life? Probably a, a probably a, a, a stock car. Uh, it's a series that they have in what they call IMCA, which is the largest you know organization in auto racing. It's older than NASCAR. They got a d- division called Stock Cars, and they're just fast enough to where you're paying attention, and you can really you, even if you make mistakes, you can pound people and just keep on going. Probably, probably a good old, what they call a stock car. Where at? Oh, uh, I've raced a lot of racetracks. 
Probably right here at my home track, uh, Kenny Schrader's track, Peebley, Missouri, I-55 Raceway. There you go. Short drive, short drive every day if you were going to drive street stock at Peebley. Hey, you just traded my dream. I like it. <laughs> there you go. Guys, uh, Kenny Wallace, I appreciate you so much. Good talking to you, catching up. Are you going to be at the racetrack this weekend? Yep, I'll come see you. I'm going to – my boss, my old boss, Jacob Ullman at Fox Sports, I'm going to – I'm going to get up in there the second stage on Fox Sports and, and help call the race. So that's an honor. Love that. Talk good about me, will you, Kenny Wallace? And thanks for always. And thank you for joining Stack and Pennies. Love you, Corey.